Last Saturday, a crucial voice in the civil rights movement was silenced when activist Julian Bond passed away at the age of 75. While still in college, Julian helped establish the profoundly influential Student Nonviolent Coordinating Committee. After years of hands-on activism, he served numerous terms in the Georgia State Legislature, then taught at several universities. Julian was also the first president of the Southern Poverty Law Center and served a term as chairman of the NAACP. Through it all, Julian brought a clarity of vision and a moral authority that led to his courageously linking the struggle for African-American civil rights and LGBT civil rights early and often, despite the loud disagreement of others. Joining me right now to help us remember the man behind all of these achievements is the Reverend Dr. Amos C. Brown, a lifelong civil rights champion in his own right, who knew Julian Bond well. Amos, welcome back to State of Belief Radio. Thank you for the opportunity of sharing with you and the audience again. Amos, when I say the words Julian Bond, what immediately comes to your mind? He is a quintessential expression of one who was part of the talented tent of the black community who did not fail to keep his responsibility of working to lift up the masses mm. of African Americans and all people of marginalized status in this country being respected and included as citizens and individuals with reckon dignity. Amos, I really appreciate you joining us today. I saw and listened to your interview on MSNBC earlier uh, this week, and uh, it was excellent. It just wasn't long enough, and um, I wanted you to be uh, in a conversation with me because we've got more time, and um, we can't talk about this man too much. He's important. Uh, His legacy is important. When did you first meet Julian Bond? I met him first in 1959 at Morehouse. We came from a similar social orbit of civil rights activism. Julian was destined to be uh, a fighter for civil rights and human rights because in his home, his father surrounded him with some of the brightest, most resourceful statespersons who fought for human dignity and civil rights. Uh, he peered uh, many times, I'm sure, from his uh, bedroom, looked down the staircase and saw such personalities as Paul Robertson or W.B. Du Bois entering the living room. Mm. Um, and we just couldn't help it but to be advocates for justice and freedom and peace in the world. Hmm. I, I can't imagine what that environment uh, must have been like. Uh, of all of his many achievements, which do you feel were the most important to Julian Bond himself? I feel this being a historian and a narrator of the struggle. Julian was an outstanding writer, a prolific writer also. He 
was very articulate and quite a gentleman, too. Mm. I feel that young people today need to look to his model, his mannerisms, as they go about even dealing with Black Lives Matter. Mm-hmm. Julian was not bombastic. He was uh, very forthright. He was very strong. But he was able to state his case in a very respectful manner. Amos, if you ask Julian to list the priorities, what was at the top of his list of important things to get done? I think I one to get people to be world citizens and not live in a silo and come out of this thinking of them against us, us against them. Mm-hmm. Uh, that's number one. Number two, uh, Julian felt that for this country, voting rights was very important. For that's the only way you can impact public policy through electing persons to office who are supportive of your interests. Education is very important for him. Mm-hmm. He was uh, a teacher at the University of Virginia and a number of other schools as guest lecturer and uh, adjunct professor. Mm-hmm. Uh, I'd say number three, there would be economic empowerment. For He knew so well that we did not get our 40 acres and our mule which um, destroyed the economic base of the black community. Mm-hmm. And if we had gotten our four acres in new, we would not have been thrown into the penis system of sharecropping, mm-hmm. which he witnessed in the Mississippi Delta. You know, Julian was involved during the summer of 1964 in Mississippi with uh, Marin Wright Elderman, and they were working in those impoverished areas trying to enfranchise blacks there and also to get better opportunity programs going for them. It was on the cusp of the summer of 64 that President Johnson inaugurated the poverty program later. Mm-hmm. But Aaron Wright Elliman and other students, along with Julian, were the ones who were agitating for the world to know about the horrible social and economic conditions that blacks were living in in places like Sugar Ditch, Mississippi. So those are the things that he was very passionate about. Yeah. Were there aspects of the civil rights movement that uh, you think frustrated Julian? Yes. And the final one was uh, a marriage equality. Julian and I were one of the students mm-hmm. who sat at the feet of of Dr. Martin Luther King Jr. at Morehouse, semesters in 1961-62. And we took a course in social philosophy. And in that course, Dr. King expounded uh, Brightman's uh, idea of personalism. That is, every person is important of worth and dignity and should be respected. So when the issue came up of gay rights and marriage equality, Julian was frustrated that, unfortunately, uh, a number of members of the National Board of NACP were very cool toward him when he spoke about gay rights being uh, equated with civil rights. Mm -hmm. But he said it was hypocritical to talk about 
black people getting their rights under the 14th Amendment, that equal protection of the law, and then you turn around and um, deny gays their right to be who they are and to have life, liberty, and the pursuit of happiness. Hmm. So that in uh, 2008, at the board meeting in Miami, Florida, when Alice Huffman, William Barber, and I, I'm, I'm the one who made the motion, that NACP would uh, uh, support marriage equality under the equal protection of the law. That when the vote was taken, there were only two dis- dissenters. And Julian said himself, wow, you all did something today hmm. that I didn't think that you were prepared to do. You really surprised me. Hmm. So I think that that was frustrating for hmm. him. And he considered it a major contradiction for black civil rights workers to be against gay rights when they had to fight for their rights. And he made it very clear there's a difference between R-I-T-E-S, rights, in a religious faith context, Mm -hmm. and civil rights that uh, everyone in this nation should have. That's That's a remarkable comment, and I very well remember a day that I was talking with you on State of Belief Radio about your feelings regarding the uh, comprehensiveness of rights for all people and including the uh, gay, lesbian community, transgender community. And I, you were right there hearing uh, the same thing that Julian Bond was hearing, and that's a powerful recollection for me to hear that uh, said by you and also what you said about uh, how it came to pass in his life. Amos, right, right now, we are seeing increased awareness of inequalities between white and black America. The Black Lives Matter movement is getting a lot of attention. Political candidates are being challenged to address issues of race. What are the lessons, in in your mind, what are the lessons that today's activists must learn from the lifetime work of Julian Bond? I think it's first must understand that the more things change, the more they stay the same. <laughs> yes. And... Uh, they're fighting the same struggles that we fought in our day. And until human beings get it in their hearts, in their minds, that everyone is to be respected, we will have this problem of racism, bigotry, and uh, injustice. And that's why we have to understand that eternal vigilance is the price of success. Mm. Yes. And the young people today cannot chill. They cannot uh, hang out. They've got to be aware. They've got to do their homework. For example, when we sat down in Atlanta, 1960, we were hooking up with a movement that had already been birthed by the NACP Youth Council going back to August the 28th, 1958, when youth units of NACP sat down in Oklahoma City, Oklahoma, Wichita, Kansas, and Louisville, Kentucky. There's been a misstatement of the student movement. The movement did not start in Greensboro in 1960. It started in Oklahoma City, Oklahoma, in 1958. 
But before we sat down in Atlanta, the college presidents of those historically black schools called us into conference room at Harkness Hall and said, young people, we don't want to get in your way. We won't stop you from fighting for your rights. But at least let the world know why you're doing what you are doing. And they suggested that we would have a committee craft a document. And from that suggestion, they took the document and had it published in the Atlanta Journal-Constitution. And after we finished the document and it was published, then we sat down and broke down segregation encounters in Atlanta. Mm -hmm. And later we led wade-ins in Savannah, Georgia, kneel-ins, even at White First Baptist. Students at Morehouse and Spelman were literally thrown out of that church back in 1962. Mm. But I wish to share with the audience from Marion Wright Elman's book, Lanterns, her memoirs, just one paragraph. It says here, we are all in the air about sit-down protests now. I'm damn sick and tired of our inactivity. A group of us have been planning, led by Nani King, an able and sincere person who's backed by the King, that's Martin Luther King Jr.'s family. Mm -hmm. And this goes on to say, Julian Bond, Morris Dillard, Amos Brown, bright, young NACP. I was the youngest person in the conference. Mm. Melvin McCall and Ed Harper are our caucus. And it was from that caucus, March 4, 1960, that students laid the foundation for what became the Committee on Appeal for Human Rights. Notice our entry was broad. We didn't just talk about civil rights. Mm -hmm. That document that one can get off the Internet now was called An Appeal on Human Rights. Mm. It was published, and the rest is history. And that's why, Mr. Bond, be concerned about the freedoms, the rights of all persons, including persons who are gay, transgender, bisexual because we got it at Morehouse. I tell you what, Amos, that um, uh, at a lower level, what you've done is prove to me that you have an amazingly good memory and you're able to talk about those things then as if they were yesterday. Uh, secondly, I have to admit that I get chill bumps. It's not the first time you've done that for me, but get chill bumps when I listen to you talk about the resolve, uh, the, the the whole motivation, the breadth of motivation uh, that uh, you were embracing uh, during those early days, and you haven't quit till now. Um, I, I, there's two other questions I want to ask you very quickly. One is, I always remember that uh, Julian Bond smiled a lot, um, laughed a lot. Even one of the last times I was with him, he was, I would say, somewhat down. And 
yet in the discussion he he rose above that and there were that very warm smile on his face as well as you knew that he was talking about matters of of life and death do, do you remember i mean would you say i'm I, am i remembering that falsely or wasn't a smile very characteristic for him yes it, it was very characteristic for him and what you're saying is is accurate he was bit down but even while down he still had that smile and that little swag <laughs> and um, he was always moving yeah. to say something and to do something yeah. in spite of how he might have felt physically. Do you have one favorite memory of Julian Bond that you could share with us? Yes. In Washington, D.C., on occasion, on the dedication of Martin Luther King Memorial, mm-hmm. it was 2011, mm-hmm. in August. The civil rights workers of yesteryear were to bring remarks, and Martin Luther King's son, Martin Luther III, and several others were speakers. I was listed in the group who spoke of uh, hope. And in my segment, that was Julian Bond, William H. Gray, Dorothy Cotton, and Amos Brown. Mm. And after I finished, when I had just come out of the experience of having a stroke in 2010, the audience responded in an amazing way. And when I came down from the podium, Julian was there. And he said to a group that was gathered there, I don't care what you're saying, Amos gave the speech today. Hmm. It wasn't just a matter of my my ego, but I think what Julian was saying, when I expressed what we learned in Dr. King's class at Morehouse, Mm -hmm. students, and applied it to the present circumstance, he thought that I did a good job that Dr. King would have been proud of. The Reverend Dr. Amos C. Brown is pastor of Third Baptist Church of San Francisco, a student of Medgar Evers, Benjamin Mays, and Martin Luther King, Jr. Dr. Brown is a lifelong leader in the civil rights movement and the longtime president of the San Francisco branch of the NAACP. Amos, uh, I, I really want to thank you for being with us today as we remember the incredible legacy of civil rights hero Julian Bond, who passed away last Saturday at the age of 75. You always answer the phone for us, and you always come on the show and make a contribution. This was no exception. Thank you, Amos. Thank you very much.